And now, the Dave Kinchin Show. Joe Paterno made his final public appearance 10 years ago tonight. And I was there. I happened to be there right at his doorstep along with some other reporters. And behind us, I would say hundreds of Penn State students and fans who went to his house, a very modest ranch in State College, to announce their support for Joe Paterno, who had just been fired over the phone uh, by university officials. Of course, the Penn State University Board of Trustees, uh, they met and uh, they announced uh, the firing after uh, just about 12 hours earlier, Joe Paterno said he was going to retire at the end of the season in 2011. And of course, this was the week that uh, we saw everything from Jerry Sandusky, former assistant coach at Penn State, charged with uh, sexually assaulting eight boys. Um, and uh, everything that really followed there, questions about what Joe Paterno knew, questions about what Graham Spanier knew, uh, the university president who was also fired, uh, and uh, two other university officials as well, and whether or not enough was done, and many feeling, of course, clearly that not enough was done in terms of reporting up the chain. That was the whole debate that went on. So it was 10 years ago, uh, really the first big story that I remember covering in Philadelphia, because uh, I got here in September of 2011, and uh, had never been to Penn State. Um, I'm a Michigan State guy, Michigan State fan. And so we watched, uh, you know, in college and everything we watched, me and my friends, we watched all of the games uh, that we played. You know, we, we watched when Michigan State went to State College and played. Uh, at Beaver Stadium or when they came to play at Spartan Stadium. But that's all I really knew was just the football aspect of it. You know, I did not know anybody who went to Penn State. Um, I knew it was, uh, it, there's a, a great history there uh, in terms of uh, land grant uh, university status, just like Michigan State, of course. So we had something in common there. And of course, I knew that there were later, they were a later uh, uh, school to join the Big Ten. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was, I never would have imagined myself covering this horrible incident and um, which obviously was about much more than football. Don't get me wrong. Obviously it was about way more than that. Uh, and this was something that would really set a whole new set of standards for how universities handle uh, cases of um, uh, reported abuse, uh, assault, all sorts of things. And, you know, obviously Michigan State University had an issue and Ohio State uh, and the University of Michigan. And we've seen so many schools and uh, not just in the Big Ten, but around the country with um, major problems with uh, uh, the handling of uh, cases of assault. Uh, and so, you know, this was a week and, and what I wanted to do, and by the way, welcome into the, the program, everybody. Uh, I wanted to give you, this is a, obviously a nonpartisan show. I don't get into politics. I don't get into ideology or anything, but um, I wanted to just take a, a few moments and reflect on, on this, what was a crazy week at University Park and State College right next to each other. Of course, there were times when I didn't remember where exactly we were, you know, we had to ask, is this University Park or is this technically State College, you know, because um, you want to make sure you have your live location correct. Uh, so this was, uh, yeah, I, on Twitter at Dave Kinchin USA, uh, yeah, Dave Kinchin USA, uh, Dave Kinchin TV is the Instagram account, uh, at uh, Dave Kinchin USA, I put up 
a video of um, uh, a collection of reporting from that week, uh, just which was as it happened. And what I wanted to do is just kind of go back through uh, what I saw and everything. So uh, there's no analysis really on this show in terms of uh, what I think was right and what I think was wrong. It's simply just a, a, an oral history, looking back at, at what this was 10 years ago. And so I wanna be clear on that, because I know there's a lot of folks out there who, who have opinions on this, and I understand that. What I wanna be able to do is bring people um, back to that day as it happened, what we saw um, from interviewing the governor uh, about uh, the governor of Pennsylvania, about what was happening and uh, whether university officials should have done more, getting on the phone with board members, uh, members of the Penn State board who would not say much to seeing Joe Paterno right at his doorstep and, and that turning out to be his last public appearance. Um, having a short phone call with Graham Spanier um, who was the president of Penn State University, um, talking about all those things. So uh, this program, as we say, you know, from time to time we come on and, and we talk about, uh, you know, news, uh, things uh, as we know them uh, from direct experiences we have. Again, no commentary, no ideology or anything or partisanship, but just uh, uh, eyeball history, I guess you can say. And uh, we also have a show that we're working on in terms of gun violence, which is horrible across the country, Philadelphia, tragically, sadly, ridiculously closing in on uh, 500 homicides. At the time of this taping, uh, there's about 470 or 472 homicides in the city of Philadelphia. Um, gun violence is raging on in almost every major American city in the country. It does not make it okay by any means, obviously. Uh, as officials in every city, uh, you know, rightfully so, they're forced to say, look, you know, we, we have to take care of things at home. We've got to solve this in our backyard. Um, so I'll be talking about some of the programming that I know is out there just from what I saw working uh, for the city of Philadelphia's Office of Violence Prevention. Again, uh, not getting into uh, what's right, what's not in terms of, uh, you know, what politicians should be doing, but just walking people through uh, the facts and where things are and how things work and where things are at that point. You know, I, I like analysis, you know, and I think it's helpful. Hopefully you find this helpful. So, you know, we, we talk about life's musings sometimes on this show, you know, uh, what was it? The Todd Rundgren, Rundgren show, the first live concert I went to since the pandemic began and how enriching uh, that was for the soul. And, you know, some of the stuff we're doing on the Rock of Nations podcast, you know, uh, some of our recent interviews and everything there. So, you know, it's not all, this show's not all, not all about the, the uh, serious and, and very difficult parts of life. But we, you know, we try to keep it obviously balanced. And, and I think that's just the right thing to do. And, you know, we talk about things as they come up. So uh, sit back, uh, gonna grab myself a little bit of water uh, so the throat doesn't dry up too much. And we'll get into uh, 10 years ago at Penn State, what happened, the Jerry Sandusky uh, child sexual abuse scandal. Of course, the trial was uh, two years later, which I also covered. So we'll get into a little bit of that, but mostly just that week, that crazy week at Penn State and how it all happened, what I saw behind the scenes. Well, welcome in, everybody. Thanks so much for um, being a part of the show, for uh, checking everything out. Uh, you know, I was looking back at some video. Every now and then I like to put together some video of just the reporting I've done just to uh, kind of keep a, a a mental check of things. I guess as a journalist to make sure I'm getting better at what I do, you know, I try to make sure I get better at what I do, you know, uh, like any of us, but I think also looking at um, 
you know, just having a, a collection of stories from from uh, big news moments. And really the first one uh, for me in Philadelphia was uh, of a national level was the Penn State scandal at, um, well, the, the Jerry Sandusky scandal at Penn State University. And uh, so we're going to go back to literally 10 years ago. It was 10 years ago tonight that Joe Paterno was fired from Penn State as uh, the head coach of the Nittany Lions. And uh, he stood on his doorstep and said that a phone call put him out of it. And uh, he loves the students. He loves the community. He thanked everybody for supporting him. And he said, pray for the victims. Pray for the victims of Jerry Sandusky. But there were so many questions. There were so many uh, things that, that went on. There were riots, of course. There was um, a massive condemnation of university officials and, and the handling of it. Um, there were people defending Joe Paterno. And, um, you know, there's still a lot of opinions out there now. And uh, again, you know, this show is not about trying to, uh, you know, make any arguments one way or another. I just um, have a pretty vivid memory of a whole week almost of being up there and, and wanted to share just how things happened so fast and how crazy they were. And, you know, it started with covering President Obama, at least for me. Uh, it started in Yaden. And I was, uh, you know, we got through uh, the Secret Service check at an event in Yaden, Pennsylvania, right outside of Philadelphia. And uh, President Obama was there to talk about Head Start and to talk about education reform. We got a phone call uh, from the assignment desk and they said, get out of there. We need you to go and cover and, and talk to uh, Congressman Pat Meehan of Delaware County. He's calling for an investigation into what happened at Penn State University. Now, never mind me making the unfortunate mistake of, on air of uh, calling him Pat Meehan. You know, the H was silent, so I, I apologize for that mistake early on. Uh, but I will say that um, before, you know, when I got the phone call, I would say, well, wait a minute. Um, we just, uh, you know, we're here waiting for the president, the Secret Service. I don't know. Can we get I don't know if we can get out because they're holding the scene now. You know, I looked at the, my photographer and we looked, you know, pretty shocked because we, we knew that, look, we knew the whole thing was happening. The, the, the story had broken about uh, the charges against Jerry Sandusky, the former assistant coach at Penn State football. So we knew about that. We knew that was happening. Uh, and we we were keeping an eye on it. And uh, I believe my colleague Bruce Gordon was already up there. Uh, in State College. You know, for those few days, there were people gathered outside of Joe Paterno's house because people wanted to know what Joe knew and, and all of that. Because remember, Jerry Sandusky had, had already retired from Penn State. He wasn't there anymore. You know, he still lived in the area, uh, but he wasn't, uh, he, he was not, he was around the program. Uh, many had said, you know, but, uh, you know, because, you know, if, when you retire from an, a program like that, you know, it doesn't mean that you're not you're never going to come back and stop through and say hi to folks and, and that sort of thing. Like a lot of former coaches do, like a lot of alumni do, you know, th those are the kind of things that, that make in normal circumstances, make programs great. You know, you have former coaches, you know, these people who played a significant role coming back around a program, but obviously that was quite problematic once, you know, these, these charges were announced. And, um, 
so we did. We got out of there. The Secret Service let us out of the event. Uh, you know, I, we weren't sure when the president was going to arrive. The the great seal, uh, the the seal of the president of the United States, which is a lot like the seal, the great seal of the United States of America, was already on the podium. So that gave you a an indication that um, things were, you know, we were closer to him coming than to speak than than uh, being being farther away from that time. So we packed up, we left, and we went over to the congressman's office. And uh, he he had been giving one-on-one -on -one interviews to various um, media outlets. And when we sat down with uh, uh, Congressman Meehan, uh, he basically said that there needs to be an investigation. Now, the congressman represented Republican of Delaware County, the 7th Congressional District. Uh, he urged the education secretary at the time, Arnie Duncan, uh, to look at whether federal law was broken in terms of the way uh, this was handled. And there's also reporting, I'm looking back on this here from uh, Politico at the time, uh, Mian calls for Penn State probe. Uh, so this article might have broken either before we sat down with the congressman that day or a little bit after. Um, but one of the things that he, he talked about that the congressman talked about was the Cleary Act, which required universities to report uh, cases of of uh, sexual assault. And so there was a, a question of whether or not the university had broken the law uh, in this case. Um, and so Cleary Act requires, uh, and this is uh, going back to the political piece here, requires schools to publish and distribute an annual security report disclosing all criminal offenses reported to campus security or local police agencies and that compliance of the federal statute, quote, is the responsibility of the U.S. Department of Education. So already people were looking at the feds and what uh, the feds were looking at the feds, a member of Congress looking at what the what the Department of Education uh, may know about this. So we sat down and we talked with, with him about that. Uh, and then uh, a short time after, uh, as I recall, we were on our, on our way up to Penn State. I mean, we were on our way to covering this whole thing. Now, this, this whole thing was, I mean, the, the story, this was still obviously the 24-hour news cycle was quite established even by this time, obviously 2011. And so every hour, the networks were already in State College and the major uh, stations in Philadelphia and everything, and uh, New York. Uh, of course, Pittsburgh, you know, this was basically the center of the Commonwealth. Uh, and so everybody was already there um in in some form having just gotten there and then by the time we were uh, on our way up stations were sending reinforcements so we were a part of that and uh, i remember going up the first thing we we did was we stopped over pardon me hit the cough button there we uh we stopped at an event in camp hill um which is just as i remember just outside of harrisburg Governor Tom Corbett was about to sign the ban on texting, which may have been one of the first states in the country. I don't think it was the first, but one of the first states in the, uh, the country to, to ban uh, texting while driving. Um, so it was, it was something that a lot of states had, had been doing. It may not have been the, the anyway, you, you get the point. I, I, I don't recall the exact number of like what state Pennsylvania was in terms of getting ready to do that. Uh, but uh, every, you know, I did not see any other Philadelphia stations there when we got to this event. 
which was actually at a, a cell phone store. And uh, there, were, there was press there from Harrisburg, uh, Altoona, Lancaster area. Uh, I, I do recall that we, you know, I looked at my photographer and we, yeah, we say, yeah, we're the only Philly station there now, but the reason, and the governor even said, I, I suspect that most people are not here for reporting on the texting ban. And um, he was right. You know, he said that he will talk about the Penn State developments after he announced, uh, after he signed the ban on, on texting while driving. Now, he, I think, you know, and this was, you know, this being kind of uh, one of the, the first stories I worked on of this scale in, in Pennsylvania, I think we, you know, we, everybody was kind of chomping at the bit. And I remember, uh, you know, the governor opened things up for questions, but just on the texting ban first. And I, I, I had, a, I did have a question on, on um, obviously the, the Penn state situation. He said, hold those questions. And is that, you know, that happens. I mean, I'm, you know, somebody is always going to, you know, ask a question, um, things, things were happening so fast, you know, we're reading the headlines and all of these things. So, you know, these things always happen where, you know, an, an official will say, well, we're going to take questions on this first. And then someone chimes in. So we, we waited, no big deal, you know. Uh, but then the governor said, now, the, the reason this is significant is not just because this was the governor of Pennsylvania, but he was the, the former attorney general for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And uh, there were questions about cases earlier on relating to Jerry Sandusky that were under his office as attorney general that some assistant attorney general worked on, you know, basically looked at. So there were a lot of questions we had about that, what was known, what wasn't known when the governor, Governor Corbett, Tom Corbett was attorney general, but also um, according to the, the uh, you know, state law, the governor is an ex-official member of the Penn State Board of Trustees. So the governor has involvement with the school board. And of course, Tom Corbett happened to be a Penn State alum. So there were a lot of reasons there that we wanted to know what the governor thought of all of this. And the governor confirmed that he had a meeting with the board coming up uh, later that week, uh, the next day, actually, as I recall. But, we, you know, we pressed him and I said, you know, should more be done? And he said, yes, more should have been done. He said, you know, the, the kind of person who uh, preys on a child is the worst person in the world. And, and uh, you know, he, he was vi visibly upset by what happened, um, but wasn't going to get into a whole lot of specifics and got into his car before, uh, you know, I could ask him more questions. I mean, I, we, we were careful, respectful, but followed him along with the Q&A as he was walking to the car. Um, to go to his next event uh, or next next meeting, but uh, he wouldn't say much more uh, than that. So we got back in the car, headed headed up to State College, and we were getting reports or hearing that board members were were having teleconferences. So I basically went down a list uh, that I got of uh, board members from all around the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, and I started calling them, and uh, in some cases left messages. And these were people, some people in like the Altoona area, I think some people in you know, the Pittsburgh area, all across the area, all across the Commonwealth. Uh, and uh, it, it was an interesting thing because nobody really wanted to talk about it. Um, one board member told me there's a, that they were definitely getting ready for a meeting. Then somebody else said it was, uh, there was a teleconference going on. 
And they wouldn't say anymore. In one case, I recall somebody hanging up the phone. So very mysterious activity going on. Very, very uh, strange. Uh, but understandable given, you know, the news was breaking by the hour. Uh, at one point, uh, Joe Paterno uh, had a press conference. He was going to give a standard press conference on football, and it was canceled by uh, the university leadership, which was highly unusual. So it was, you could tell that officials were, were trying to get control of, of everything that was uh, happening here. Uh, um, some might call it damage control, everything that was taking place. So we kept on, I kept on trying to make as many phone calls uh, as, as we could. By the time we got to campus, um, we, uh, we, we headed to get some quick interviews. And uh, I think at that time, I was a bit more loquacious in my questions. <laughs> and I needed to keep it much shorter. We talked to students, say, hey, what, what do you think about what's happening? And, you know, uh, students were talking about how shocked they were about the allegations. Um, I recall at that point, we knew that Jerry, that, that Joe Paterno was retiring at the end of the season. There were students who expressed sadness about that. There were some who defended him and wanted him to, wanted to find out more about what happened before such a decision was made. And, and there were others who just said they wanted the best for the university. And I mean, there were, people were shocked. I mean, people were absolutely shocked, absolutely shocked and stunned. No question about that. Uh, so we got those interviews and um, then we got word uh, that there was, uh, and uh, there was an actual board meeting, as I recall, about 7.30 that night in University Park at um, a pretty nice hotel. Um, I want to say it was the Nittany Lion Inn, but a very, ni a very nice place where they had conferences and events there. And um, that was the one thing I'll say about State College is that it's a beautiful community. I mean, it's right there in Happy Valley, the mountains and everything. It's, it's a gorgeous area. And, um, you know, this was a, a place certainly fit for uh, conferences around the state, you know, uh, with almost like essentially a convention center uh, feel. And um, the board, you know, we were, we were all traveling with the, we all got there together. Uh, I remember Bruce, my colleague and, and uh, Elaine also, um, I was with them, my photographer and, and we, we were going from one place. We, they were, some people said that they were trying to give us the slip. I, that's just what we heard that the board was, you know, saying the meeting is going to be over here. Then it was over there. I mean, I remember us running around to different parts, trying to figure out which room this thing was going to be in. And at one point there was a, a, a either a board member or somebody, uh, we figured out what room it was in. And I'm sure it was, it was just craziness trying to figure out the, the room and where everything was going to be and getting the information to board members and staff. Okay, we're meeting in this area and eventually to the press. Uh, but there was a member who was blocking the door, so wouldn't let anybody in at that point, right? I remember these two wooden doors and, and uh, one of the officials just standing there, not letting anybody in. Uh, well, we were getting close to press time. It was, it was We had the 10 o'clock news. So it was decided that I would go out and report from the scene and talk about everything that happened that day while Bruce would go inside and cover the, um, the, uh, the events, cover the announcement. Now, again, we didn't, you know, there were rumors out of what might happen, but, you know, we didn't know until it actually happened. And so, you know, I went out, uh, we set up, we needed a lot of cable at this time. This was before we could go, 
live with this technology. I remember it be, being before what we called Live View, which is basically the, this backpack that has cell phone cards in it, about six cell phone cards. Now they got those bags much smaller. The technology has improved, but you, you basically go live over the internet for lack of a better phrasing. But this was still a time where you needed a bunch of cable. And, you know, we, we were trying to find all this cable to set up and because the, the, the truck, we, we couldn't, I don't remember us being able to park very close to the door that we were uh, going in and out of to try to check information related to the meeting that was going on. So that was a bit stressful, you know, because I'm right, you know, we're, we, uh, we're like, okay, when are we actually going to be able to get on the air? Because we're trying to, there's a technical side of it. And, 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 you know, it's just, it's just all the craziness that happens with these types of things. Um, well, we got on air, we went live and it was just a, a talk back, you know, me talking to the anchors, Thomas and, and um, Carrie. And at that point, the announcement already happened. Uh, like we got word that the, I got word as it was pretty much happening. Joe Paterno was fired. So, you know, 12 hours earlier, the board said, uh, it was announced rather that, that he was going to retire at the end of the season, but the board said he's fired. It was also confirmed that the president, Graham Spanier was out. Uh, so there would be an interim football coach, uh, an interim president. And at that point, you know, it didn't take too long for people to wonder, well, should there and this is what people were saying online, you know, should board members leave? What did the board know? What did the, what did the board actually know about all this? You know, um, some said they were simply trying to save face again. You know, that's just what people were saying. I'm not going to get into the politics of it. And these are politicians, board members are politicians too. Um, but that's, that's just what was circling on Twitter and the social media world at the time, as I recall. Uh, but I basically went on air and talked about everything that I just told you so far, which was, you know, the, the meetings and the short phone calls, you know, with board members as we were driving up to state college. And it was intense. I'm telling you, the fee of just, it, it was a bit of an adrenaline rush as a journalist. I kind of got my first taste of what, you know, Philadelphia area news was, you know, or in this case, a national story like this. Uh, but you use that adrenaline to stay focused and to uh, make sure you're asking the right questions and all of that stuff. And then you look back and you say, well, I could have done this better and I could have done that better. And that's just like anything, you know, you try to improve. Um, and I, I went on and I talked about, uh, you know, the governor's comments saying that, uh, you know, he said the, the university should have done more. Um, so that was live, this live breaking news banner type of talk back situation that was going on. After that meeting, my colleague uh, Bruce went over, uh, we, we started hearing reports of, of riots in State College. There was a, a news truck that was flipped over uh, from one of the smaller market stations in the Commonwealth. There was, uh, window, windows were smashed. Uh, by the way, I meant to tell you, when we, one of the first things we saw, you know, when we first got to State College, we went to Jerry Sandusky's house, we did a door knock, I mean, he, he wasn't there, of course, but we wanted to see if anybody from the family would talk, I don't recall anybody answering, but I do remember seeing two things, there was a window that was broken, looked like a fresh break of a window, and like, what would have, would have been the living room area, and neighbors didn't want to say too much, I mean, they were, you know, the people were shocked, people were angry, you know, they didn't want us there. There was a lot of that going on. But then we looked behind the house and you could see it from, I remember kind of, the, you know, from even the street level. And we saw there, there was a school 
back there. It turned out to be an elementary school behind Jerry Sandusky's house. Now, at that point, these were allegations. These were criminal charges. You know, Jerry Sandusky, like any person, uh, you're innocent until proven guilty, right? That's the way the system works. But it started making the rounds that, wow, there's a, he lived behind a school, which um, many people said gave them a bit of a strange feeling. Okay. And that's all I can really say about that at that point in time, you know, uh, and it was certainly mentioned as part of the reporting that everybody was doing, but, um, but then, you know, but the night that Joe Paterno was fired, uh, my colleague went over, covered the riots, covered, you know, all of that while I went over to, we got word that students were rallying around Joe Paterno's house. So we went over to the house and, um, it was, uh, we had been going live from the house of, for that week, trying to, at one point I talked with Jay Paterno, who's, uh, who was one of the assistant coaches on the team. And obviously um, Joe Paterno's son, he never wanted to say a whole lot. He, he wouldn't say a whole lot. Basically we got him to say no comment, but you know, it was, and I can understand how community members were just like, well, the press get out of here. I mean, there was an ESPN reporter next to us. There was, you know, there were all these other folks. In fact, the video feed, uh, there's one on YouTube. You can see me kind of the back of my, a friend of mine from college said, I saw the back of your head on ESPN and holding the microphone when, when Joe Paterno came out and said, uh, you know, a phone call put me out of it. Pray for the victims. Um, you know, students said, we love you, Joe. And then someone said, we are Penn state. And he said, we are, we are Penn state. Uh, and it turned out to be his last public appearance. Um, and it was, it was pretty crazy. I mean, I, I see file video. You know, I was just looking up a, a story from uh, last year, uh, a year ago, literally today, um, where somebody was talking about the anniversary and, and I could see my hand holding the microphone. So it's just, a, it's, a, it's a, a very interesting moment because I, you know, like I said, as, a, as someone who grew up loving college football, um, and again, this serious, tragic, horrible situation is much bigger than football. So don't, don't get me wrong. Okay. But what I'm trying to say is that, you know, at the time, I mean, I would see this guy on television. I would see Joe Paterno. I would see his press conferences, just like I saw all the other coaches in the big 10, you know, and I never thought that I would be at his, on his doorstep, um, throwing out questions. Uh, there was another reporter who said, what did you want to say? And he said, I just wanted to thank everybody for their support. Um, in the heat of it, I couldn't tell if he was answering my question or the other reporter's question. It turned out to be the other reporter's question that he heard, which came right, I think maybe right after mine. So it just, you know, it's these kind of things that happen really fast, and which is totally fine. I mean, it's not about, oh, he answered so-and-so's questions. It's not about whose question was answered. It was just, I'm, you know, recalling, recounting the event, you understand, you follow. Uh, but it was, uh, yeah, just from that point on, um, there were other rallies outside of his house that we covered where students pledged support. Uh, there were former players who talked about how the university has to, turn, has to turn a corner, you know? So we were just dealing with reaction in the days following, you know, up until the final foot. Again, I had never been to Penn State and then we ended up covering the first football game ever without Joe Paterno, which was really weird. Um, it was a very subdu subdued environment. We were in the stadium, you know, there were some people who still wore their shirts that said, Joe knows football or Joe Pye, you know, whatever. But, uh, you know, the interim coach had taken over and, and the team would, the school would move on. Um, one of the things that would eventually happen is there were player, the, the, the school had to forfeit 
um, a number of wins, as I recall, and, and there were many people who felt that that was obviously unfair to a lot of students who had nothing to do with that. Um, you know, that was one of the later developments that happened, but uh, it, it, was a, it was a crazy, crazy week. I mean, you know, again, press gathered outside of his house 24-7, um, and somebody finally getting sick of it and putting a big strobe light out there to basically blind us. And, and it was hard to, you know, I mean, it, it was, you know, uh, I mean, I, I got through my reporting okay, but it, it was a bit tough, but uh, you know, not just that, but just, I think things started, you started to really kind of, it started to hit you what happened, you know, how traumatized this community was, everything that took place, um, you know, and, and look, I'll tell you, as a Michigan State Spartan fan, when the uh, Larry Nasser uh, abuse happened uh, against members of uh, Michigan State Gymnastics, also the, um, the USA Gymnastics team and, and some very high profile athletes who, who said that they were abused by Nasser, it, it cut to the core, uh, you know, because first of all, it was a horrible, horrible thing. Uh, but also because for years that had taken place on campus and no one knew anything about it. No one said anything about it. I was a reporter in 2004. I started my first job at WLNS TV. And I, I often wondered, gosh, you know, if I got wind of something like that going on, we would have had to report that. We would have had to cover it. But it's just, you know, it was one of the craziest things to even think that going back, because those allegations dated back to like 1997 and to think, that, um, you know, while I was covering various events on campus, um, news events and, and around the area, something like that was going on. And, and, and if people knew, I mean, some, obviously a number of people knew, but we didn't know. Um, but uh, so I, I started, I could understand, you know, as somebody who loves my university community, I can understand how a lot of Penn State people felt. Um, because you love your university. It's a community. It's a, it, you know, Penn State, Nittany Lion Nation is Nittany, Nittany Lion Nation. Spartan Nation is Spartan Nation. Wolverine Nations, well, you know, you get the idea. Um, every school has hundreds of thousands of living alumni who in many cases are still, you know, if, if not much more than going to games and rooting on your team, you know, people who are successful financially or whatnot in business, they support the school, you know, with, uh, you know, financially. Um, you know, alumni come back, old staff members come back, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, a college campus is a living and breathing city and entity. And, and there's always somebody doing something great at every university. And I, what I learned is that, you know, the people, it's, it's the good people of any good organization. It's, it's the good people of any organization that make an organization great, you know, even when there's horrible things that happen. And when horrible things happen, they, ha they obviously have to be addressed. So anyway, what I'm trying to say is I get what a lot of Penn State uh, community members were going through. Um, I, the, the sadness, the anger, the frustration really started to set in in terms of what I witnessed, not necessarily my feelings, but uh, the feelings of people around, you know, I, like I was, I was working, processing, working my way through what everybody felt. Uh, and then, you know, I didn't really do a lot more with that, uh, you know, based on assignments, uh, you know, we kind of went back to covering Philadelphia news. We covered Penn State stuff whenever things were popping up, but then it really wasn't until the trial when I was in court and, you know, for several days listening to the, the gut-wrenching testimony of, uh, you know, these, these uh, young men who were boys at the time when they were at Jarius and Dusky's um, 
uh, uh, community organization, uh, basically a youth group foundation. And they talked about how uh, he had befriended them, uh, but also, you know, there were times when, when they would stay in his bed and, and various things would happen. And, and uh, you know, it was it, the test, it, it was graphic. I mean, the testimony was graphic. It was uh, in this, you know, as I recall, and, and uh, it was difficult to report on. I mean, you know, you're a human being and you're covering this stuff. So, you know, you do it professionally, but um, so all of that, we started to get a little bit more information about uh, what had happened because we were in trial mode and it was all, you know, uh, coming uh, forth that way. Uh, but yeah, from the cancel the canceling of Joe Paterno's press conference, when you knew something more was going on there, he's leaving at the end of the season to he's fired to the riots to, you know, the 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 impassioned moments outside of his house from fans and 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 you know, uh, it was there was a lot going on. Uh, it was a week I'll never forget. But I, I have to say our coverage was, I, I'm proud of the team I worked with because the coverage was fantastic. I mean, everybody gave it their all. And we knew that this would set the stage for, you know, universities having to make major, major changes, Congress looking at this. And, uh, and I think probably there's more that universities will probably be expected to do with some of the more recent things that have happened uh, at other schools around the country. So anyway, that, yeah, I just wanted to give you a little bit of an idea of what we dealt with, what was happening in real time as it was going on. Never saw anything like it. Hope to never see it again. Tragically, there's a lot of bad news that happens out there that we have to cover. But uh, thanks for being a part of this. Uh, I think the most important thing is remember the victims and, and pray for them and what they went through. They live with this every day. You know, I think that's fair to say that's the most important thing. And, uh, you know, if you wanted to watch some of the coverage again, uh, I put a, a video. It's about eight minutes long. It, it's a collection of reports from that that day uh, at Dave Kinchin USA on Twitter. And uh, you can you can find all that there if you want to. I mean, look, you don't have to watch that. There's there's reporting everywhere on it. If you wanted to look back, obviously, and the press conferences and, and everything else that happened. Um, but, uh, you know, a special thank you to all the great journalists out there who continue to work hard, you know, and. I'm proud to be a journalist and, you know, report the facts and let the folks decide. And But whenever possible, just let you know what we saw, you know, factual observations, no commentary, no politics. You're not going to get that here. There's plenty of other places for that. Uh, but that's pretty much the way it went down. Anyway, take care of yourselves, everybody. Uh, take care of each other. Be safe out there uh, as we enter the, the colder months and the holidays and, and everything uh you know do what you need to do to stay safe from uh, COVID-19 and really uh, so many other dangers that are out there uh just take good care of yourselves and each other and we will be back soon we'll be talking about gun violence in major cities like Philadelphia and uh just taking a nonpartisan look at uh what cities are doing you know what some of these programs do look like what it means for community to partner with police for community to partner with government for anti-violence grants to go to community organizations and how that works how they're evaluated how uh how uh you know criminal justice reform plays in from a policy standpoint how these how systems try to put all this together and how everyone is looking for answers you know from 
community members, to the victims, survivors of gun violence, to uh, the parents who have buried their children uh, because they were shot and killed, to ER doctors, surgeons who are sick and tired of these emergency calls coming in, trying to save lives, the trauma they deal with. Uh, I've talked with people, I, I worked in this arena, talked with people all around it uh, when I was in government and as a journalist. So we'll talk about that next and uh, kind of give you hopefully a little bit more information to think these things through. And that's the goal of this program, by the way, just to give you a little bit more information to, to be able to think about it a little better, have more insight as you make your own decisions about issues. I think uh, it can usually work out pretty good that way if we do it the right way and we do our best. Take care, folks. Talk to you soon.